Here we go. Welcome to episode number 66 of the Coffee with Joffrey podcast. Thank you for joining. My guest today is Dr. Kevin McLean, who is a sports scientist, researcher, and running coach. Like many of the guests I get on this show, I started following some of Gavin's content on Instagram around nine or 10 months ago. Um, as many of you might know, I got fairly into my running recently, post-lockdown. I actually ran my first marathon last week. Uh, before that, I was running 10Ks, 20Ks, 30Ks, just kind of building up to it. So this podcast I wanted to do because uh, Gavin is a running specialist, very knowledgeable in the area, um, but has a lot of crossover into some of the sports science stuff that he does as well. So um, I wanted, I got Gavin on to talk to us about where someone can start if they're just getting into running, uh, you know, just the real benefits of running both physically and mentally, uh, for your mental health as well. Um, pick out some of the common mistakes that he sees, both as a running coach and a sports scientist. Um, so if you are thinking about maybe getting into running or you are doing some running now, uh, this might be helpful for you to pick up some things to avoid any overuse injuries um, or, or anything that's going to stop you from running. And then I just wanted him to give us some running with science tips. That's big on, on what he talks about um, on his Running Smarter Instagram. I'll tag his page in the show notes so you can go and give him a follow. But just want to get him on to give us some tips around running um, and that type of stuff as well so enjoy this podcast like I said if you are getting into running or you are a runner you're going to enjoy this one if you do have any questions feel free to reach out to Gavin or feel free to reach out to me but enjoy the show okay here we go Gavin welcome to the podcast thanks for having me on um yeah it's great to record this with you Gavin, um, as I mentioned before, I, w I started following some of your your stuff um, on your Instagram. There was uh, Nick Butter who who ran a marathon in every country in the world. I know you did an interview with him, um, which was super interesting. I started following your stuff. It's all about running with science, um, running smarter. You do you want to give a little bit of an introduction to who you are and what you do? Um, yeah, so that Nick Butter, that was really kind of him. I, I, I may as well actually uh, say a little thank you to him once we're on here. But yeah, it was really kind of him to afford me the time to do that. Um, who am I? So I am a sports scientist. Um, and then I did my, after my sports science degree at John Murray, I decided to do PhD in sport and exercise cardiology. Um, I did that in Aspatar Sports Medicine Hospital out in Qatar, Doha. So in the Middle East near you. Um, did there for four years. And I, throughout that time, I always wanted to do this. I always wanted to set up and offer people, and I'm sure you get this as well, like you get, you build up that knowledge, you build up that expertise and you naturally want to help other people. And that led me to develop this in terms of running smarter. And that's where I came back to UK, set this up. And then right now, I really, I am juggling free balls, so to speak. So I'm doing running smarter. I'm working in the NHS and cardiac science, and I'm also um, doing research as well at the same time. But yeah, that's in a nutshell as to who I am. So I'm a big passionate runner, fell into running and then naturally seen opportunity to apply science to it because it's such an endurance-based sport and you can have such a profound impact on it. And then I was like, you know what, I can help so many other people by just applying science and you can apply big, massive, positive change in that recreational runner um, by just applying science. That's brilliant. And that was actually going to be one of my first questions in terms of like yourself and your running experience and things like that. And I guess it's great that you had the background in terms of your education and what you studied and, and jobs that you had to be able to combine that with a passion of running as well is, is obviously it's kind of like the ultimate thing for a career, right? 
Yeah, it's just great fun. Um, ultimately, like it's just once you're in this here, you're just working and running. You're talking about running, so yeah, it's just great fun. Um, and then it's exciting as well because it's all about that process. Those to how can I make myself that bit of a better runner with zero talent, and then how can I help other people with uh, perhaps maybe a bit more talent than me by just applying a bit of science or yeah. So I think this is. Um why this podcast has kind of come around and I, I mentioned to you before, like I'll just go through stages of following people and even in my own experience as well. And since uh, we finished lockdown, you know, early yeah. last year, I think it was April, May time in, in Dubai, I started doing loads more running just because, I mean, the gym started to open up a little bit more, but it just seemed like a great time to kind of get into it. And I'd always been someone who was, uh, you know, I've always been you know, fairly fit in terms of running short distances and things like that. But running a 10K was something that I'd never really done. Um, okay. I think I'd run 10K once and, uh, and then me and a couple of friends just as like a social thing on a Friday morning would meet up and we'd go and run um, and we'd start off 5K, move up to 10K. And then I actually, I posted about it just then. I actually ended up doing a marathon and over, cool. um, that was over about 18, 19 weeks that we were building up to that. And we said, cool. oh, right, we'll try 21K, we'll try 30K and just building up. Um, so in terms of what, where do people start with their running journey? Obviously, I had like a base level of fitness. Where do you mm. find it's great for people to start if they're trying to get into running? I think, where do you start? I think that's, yeah, it's a great question. And that's one of the beautiful aspects about running in that you don't need a sports club. You don't need a sports team. You don't need a running club or anything to do that. You can literally start by yourself. You could start with some mates as you did. Um, and then that there, that natural accountability with those mates and building things up as well. In terms of from a broader sense as to where do you start, I think the first question, like, I think we can, t with thanks to marketing, we can create a lot of barriers here. And um, we can think about, oh, I need to have so many different expenditures and so many, I need to have all X, Y, and Z. But in reality, running is accessible to all, and that's a beautiful aspect to it. And that's why we have some of the world's best in the world come from the poorest nations in the world. And with running, ultimately what we need is just a good pair of trainers to start with. And that's just something that's really comfy for you. And I think the temptation there quite often is, right, okay, I need to go and see... There is an old school approach of like, look at your shoe, your foot shape and then see if that matches the shoe. But we know that doesn't work because ultimately if you're trying to assess something on static, you really need to look at it in a dynamic element. And then it's a case of, okay, shoe, what do I maybe need a gait analysis or something like that there. For a newbie runner, it's probably not really, it's not something that I would consider worthwhile if someone's completely new to the sport. It's something that really your form's going to change. There was a really actually nice study done in this where they got a group of female runners, newbie runners, um, got them to run at a treadmill at very different speeds, measured their run economy, so how much oxygen it costs them to do what they're trying to do, and then measured their running form from a biomechanics perspective. Didn't give them any coaching on running form or anything like that. Just got them to run for six weeks. And what happened was their run economy improved, so how much oxygen... And you would naturally say, oh, that's just because you're getting fitter. You're just getting physiologically fitter. But also what happened is their running form improved. And that just happened subconsciously. So part of just getting, it's just really just getting out there, getting started, building up slow and being a bit patient with your progress, really. I always find, I've heard multiple people say this, and it's just like a recreational athlete. It's just like, oh, I don't like running, but 
you know, I wish I was just one of those people that can just run 5k or just run 10k. And like, I always took that statement as like, I'm always like, but you can, like you literally can go and do that. But obviously going through the, the kind of journey that I've been through recently, there is an element of motivation that's needed for that as well. Like, I'm not going to lie. The big one for me was actually, it was more of a social thing to begin with going down and meeting my friends. And yeah, we would run 10 K and it would take us, I don't know, an hour to begin with. Now yeah. we run like, I don't know, just over 50 minutes and we're having a conversation all the way around. You know, it's not yeah. like uh, it doesn't seem like too taxing when I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. And having that a bit of a kind of ability with friends and stuff really does help in that there. And I guess in terms of just running 5k, just running 10k, of course, yeah, it naturally it'll take a little bit of time to progress. And it's just all about building up and setting realistic goals with that, I guess, with that and thinking about like yourself, you had a baseline fitness already there. You'd done a various different sports and that gave you that easier entry into it, I would say, in terms of building it up. It's just about thinking about your situation and building it from there, really. Yeah, I guess this is kind of like for you to give like more of an overview of it. But why why is running so good for us? Like you've kind of mentioned that it's it's accessible, you know, no real barriers to it. But mm-hmm. in terms of like physical, mental health, why, why is it so powerful? Um, well, there was actually a really good, actually a systematic review of meta-analysis on this. So level one evidence. Um, and they showed that just running once a week, so just once a week, was associated with reduced risk of all-cause all cause mortality, mortality. There we go. Got all the pronunciation of the words that don't run. Yeah. Cardiovascular <laughs> mortality and cancer mortality. And that was like just by running once a week. So there's huge benefits there. Um, and why is ultimately that the case then? That's just ultimately because you're getting that, building up that aerobic fitness it's great from your heart function perspective because your heart's having to work that little bit harder once we exercise because it's having to pump this oxygenated blood. It's like any muscle. It's like a bicep. It's like any other muscle. You train that muscle and it adapts and responds. And then that means that it's better able to cope with day-to-day activities because you're giving it a bit more of a cardiovascular stress response. Um, It's good from that metabolic fitness perspective because you get great metabolic flux we know a lot of people use it and it's a really effective tool for weight loss because calorifically it's really high up in that charts in comparison to other sports in terms of how much calories you expend. And then like from a mental health perspective, like it's really useful from like we've seen it in studies in depression and we've seen like with people who are suffering from a major depression disorder and just 30 minutes of running on a treadmill improves their mood. And I even know that from an anecdotal level, just personal level, I just naturally feel better from going for a run, especially when I'm quite stressed or I've got quite a high workload, just getting outside, just getting that feeling of going outside. I'm sure you feel the exact same. Um, When you go out for a run, you just feel a bit better. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, I can't remember where I heard this and it was a couple of years ago. It was... um maybe you've heard of this, like a psychiatrist or something like that, like the running psychiatrist or something along those lines. There was a guy who's, who's practiced. He literally, rather than having someone in to speak to him about their mental health, rather than sitting him in a room and just mm-hmm. having, you know, the, the stereotypical line on a bed and telling about your feelings, he would go for a run with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't actually remember where I heard about that, but it, it's a real thing. And the whole point behind that was that, you know, hormonally what's happening when you're running you know the endorphins that are being released like you can have a better quality conversation because you're you know perhaps thinking about getting a little bit of a sweat on as well 
Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point to touch upon because like, and that's why there's like, for instance, in the UK and it's going worldwide, there's like that run, talk, run movement, big movement. I think that works really well because ultimately you can just have a yarn a little bit easier once you're having it on a, on a jog. And it definitely from just even speaking to your mates and I'm sure from a, with, with a psychologist that there just breaks down the barriers that much easier just because you're feeling you're I think you're feeling a bit more open and relaxed it's just removed any of those uncomfortable barriers that we get in a steel environment in a clinician room and I think that's why it's perfect yeah nice just um obviously so you're working with a, a whole range of um you know athletes in terms of top level runners people who are just getting into running and that type of stuff as well because I've heard you mention it a few times running with science is your thing and I definitely want to get more into that but before we get there um what are the common mistakes that you see people making when they when they get into running? Like overuse injuries sticks out like a sore thumb, right? Um, someone just getting into running. Yeah, unfortunately, it's quite common in running. And that's just naturally because we have that repetitive loading with every single step. And we know, I think it's around six times your body weight can be rebounded back upon yourself with every stride. And then it, I guess then it, that's where like a lot of those great marketing techniques can come in and come in and try and get still get get you to buy this latest gimmick that you don't really need it's all about just applying good science and it's not sometimes it can be overcomplicated. so i think it's, this is a great opportunity just to give some simple messages out there in terms of how to do it so then it's a case of so we think the first one is how we build things up how we and i mentioned that right at the start in terms of somebody coming in how do you run a 5k how do you run a 10k and we've often heard about this 10% rule is the increase in our weekly mileage by 10%. Um, but there isn't a great deal of evidence with that. What there is, is evidence in, and there's, it's by no means a perfect model. There's no such thing as a perfect model. We'll never reduce that risk of injury to zero is the thing called acute to chronic workload. And that was something developed by Prof Tim, Professor Tim Gabbett. And that acute to chronic workload basically is taking into consideration what you've been doing for the last four weeks and then planning your next week. So chronic is what you've done over the last four weeks. Acute is what you plan to do next week. And you could look at that just from a distance perspective. So if you divide what you plan to do next week by what you've done over the next four weeks, you'll get an acute to chronic workload ratio. And you want something in there between 0.8 to 1.25 or 1.3, sorry. Um, and what you don't want above is really 1.5 because then you're in real danger zone where you're increasing and spiking out a little bit too much. And that would be a common mistake where I, we would, I would find where maybe once I've got, I'm on an initial consultation call with a new runner and they're talking about a little niggle. And it's, and we, if we look back at things and we reflect upon it, we see that they've just spiked things up a little bit too much because we're, we come into running, we're really excited, we're really eager to progress and develop. But just by applying a little simple technique like that, we can have a big impact. And then the other big aspect is, it's just even if you think about general health recommendations is we don't just do aerobic exercise. We complement that with strength work as well. So if we include up to two times per week, some strength work to focus on those key musculature as a runner, then that's going to make you more robust. That's going to make you less risk of injury. It's going to improve your run economy and it's going to improve performance. So it's win-win in all front really there. Um, and then the other big thing that's really simple and easy to apply is sleep. So just ensuring that we're getting good quality sleep. So more than six hours per night and complementing that with good nutrition. Um, 
that would be the key areas. We, of course, can go into detail in those each areas, but that's just a general review as to what you want to think about. Yeah, that's great. And I'm, I'm actually glad you brought up that, that strength training part as well, because that's something that I spoke a lot about recently on these podcasts. And it's not like, uh, it's not something that we have a conversation about before we go, right, let's tell, tell people how important strength training is. It's just a general, general consensus between good strength and conditioning coaches, whatever kind of sport they're doing, whether it's running, triathlons, you know, CrossFit, whatever it is, there's always going to be that element of strength training. And that goes right through to someone just trying to stay healthy as they age, right? Trying to yeah. keep that lean muscle, um, you know, it's going to help with loads of, it's going to have loads of benefits in the future, continuing to strength train. That's a really nice point you touched on in terms of that as you age, because if we look at it, they're actually, the elder demographic would be considered like at more at risk and more of importance to do strength training because that's ultimately when we get weaker and we're more susceptible to little falls, little injuries, and that can set us back further because then it takes longer to recover. We get that vicious cycle of getting weaker and then more susceptible to injury. And then that's where we get like you, like my dad will complain, oh, my knees are stiff. I'm like, yeah, if we just do some strength work, strengthen up the muscles, that's going to help. And those knees are less going to be less stiff. And that's going to really help you have a better quality of life. Um, and that's just doing the simple things like playing with your grandkids or whatever that might be. And I think that's a really beautiful point to touch on. So kudos. Yeah. And just going back to obviously, you know, injuries and overuse and stuff like that. I think you touched on this a little bit. And I guess one of the great things of exercise that we mentioned already is, or, or running, sorry, is, you know, no barriers. Um, it's easy to go and do. It's easy, kind of easy to get started. Um, it's exactly like you said, you get better quite quickly. Like if you just mm -hmm. start out, you could within a week of the first time you've gone out and the next time you go out, you know, a week later, you could be improving, uh, you know, by 10 minutes on your time or, and you see significant improvements and you're not necessarily limited by any injuries or anything at that point. So naturally you want to be able to, cause you've got the endorphins kicking in, you know how good it feels. You want to go out and beat your time that you did. You want to go out and run further. So you're not actually limited by any injuries. And, you know, I, I don't deal with a huge amount of people who, uh, you know, get into running, but obviously as like a, a side project to maybe some of the classes and stuff they're doing with me, they'll go and start running. And that's what I see. They start, they plateau very, very quickly after the first two or three weeks. And it's, it's not that they plateaued in terms of, um, they're slowing down significantly or anything like that. It's almost always to do with feeling some injuries somewhere or feeling a bit tight somewhere. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's quite, it's quite common because then we're going too hard. We're thinking we're pushing almost max out every time as well. And I think that's where those plateaus can happen as well because we don't need to, how do I word it? I think that's quite a common mistake is that once we come into running, we kind of think like that old school mentality, no pain, no gain. Every session needs to be really tough when it really doesn't. Like one of the great things about running is that and it's shown in evidence whether you're 10, like if you're running 20K a week to a late pro that a vast majority of your sessions should be really cruisy cruise, um, should really be quite low heart rate work. And that's just giving you a good metabolic flux and that's going to help give you big, bigger adaptations and bigger gains. And I think that's where that common mistake happens is when we're new into it, we're just constantly trying to run PBs um, yeah. every week, every session. And it really shouldn't be that way. It should be a lot more relaxed and enjoy it a little bit more. Like you said there, like for instance, you, you, when you go for those 10K runs with your mates, like you're able to have a nice conversational pace now. 
because you built up a little bit of fitness now and therefore you've and then that enables you to go into what we would call that grains of work and build up there and build up that aerobic fitness yeah i'm sure from obviously what you do on the coaching platform you've got ways of introducing that work in heart rate zones and things like that but i just found what worked really well for us and don't get me wrong all three of us uh you know we've, we've been training for a long time we've got that good base level of fitness it was more about just we would kind of have a plan in mind like a structure that we were going to follow all the way leading up to the marathon like we, we put a date on the marathon right here's what it's going to look like we're going to look to increase our distance and stuff over time and it might be you know six weeks out and we were supposed to do maybe 25 30k but maybe a couple of us hasn't haven't slept very well you know when you know we've not had a good week hey let's adjust it up let's just do a 10 today steady one and then we'll try to attack the next week instead and just having that flexibility around the, the programming yeah i think that's always the beauty because you, so it's that's the beauty of having a plan like if you have that clear direction that clear plan then you can adapt it and you can adapt it with the knowledge of this is going to be okay because i'm adapting in accordance to that and that's where things like recovery weeks and stuff are really good um and maybe taking those recovery weeks a little bit earlier and what have you but having that clear plan as to how you're going to progress how you're going to develop then you can build it up gradually and then you can adjust that plan to how you're feeling when perhaps you stayed up too late last night watching something really good on Netflix and you don't have the, all the time in the world to get a good quality session just before work, wherever it might be. Question, did you find that over, obviously still lockdown where you are, um, did you find that there was, I guess from your business perspective as well, did you find there's more people wanting to get into running because of the gym closures and things like that? Yeah. So there was a huge spike initially. Um, and then we also seen a huge spike in overuse injuries, unfortunately, um, <laughs> just because we, we went a little bit too hard on it, a lot of people. And then, and then a lot of people come to me with the little niggles, etc. But interestingly, what i what really surprised me from the lockdown was i when when i seen the lockdown i thought you know what everyone's the number one bar we always hear when it comes to doing exercise is i don't have sufficient time to do it and we hear it all the time and that's why we don't do exercise and then when when lockdown appeared i thought right okay a lot of people are going to be working from home um some people are currently furloughed um so if you're working from home that means the commute's out of the way um and a lot of those barriers should be in, in theory out of the way and i thought right we're going to see a big surge in physical activity levels we're going to see a big increase and this is going to be fantastic for our nation because that's one of the biggest burden lack of like a low physical activity levels but in reality what we've seen actually in the studies is actually that there's been a big drop there's been a big drop in physical activity levels so why is that perhaps the case? I think the case, the reason that is, is because people aren't given the right support or not having the right clear plan or structure as to how they're going to achieve their goal. And they don't have clear, they don't sit down and have the clear targets. They don't have a clear plan as how they're going to do it. And if you don't have that and you're just winging it, you're going to lose motivation naturally. So what we've seen is that big initial surge and then people are all with people just winging it for it initially. And then that motivation naturally just is going to go because we don't have that clear plan. Everyone, everyone needs a plan. With a plan, then we can sustain and keep things going. Yeah, and it's interesting you, you say that as well because a lot of what I do is, is tracking people's exercise through their heart rate monitors and things like that. And more of it as, as an accountability tool than anything rather than saying someone they, 
telling me they've worked out. I can see as you know, through the connections and stuff that I have on the applications, I can see that they've worked out. I can see their heart rate going up and down. And it's, it's great what you said there about everybody having a plan and needing that plan because the plan doesn't have to be to get, be the absolute fittest I can be in yep. eight weeks or get to the lowest percentage body fat as I can in eight weeks. Your plan can literally be right for the next 12 weeks. I'm going to try and maintain and stay consistent and maybe change other areas of my life where I can make improvements. Exactly. I think that's perfect because that's just actually a conversation I had with um, a client yesterday and they're in a really intense work period for the next two months. So, okay, we're going to be time pressed. So let's create a plan that's going to work to that schedule. And the plan right now is really just to maintain where we are right now. Because if we don't have a clear plan, what we'll do is we'll become overwhelmed. We'll end up doing nothing and we'll just regress. And then we're starting from scratch again in two months. So let's just have something that just allows us to keep things ticking over. We don't always have to be striving for progression. Sometimes it's just about having a good balance as to your current schedule right now. I'm sure you feel this from like a coaching point of view as well. Like as a coach, there's nothing worse than when there's no direction either, because as a coach, you sometimes feel a bit, not useless, but you, you're following up with people. And because the plan's not been agreed, you feel like you might be bugging them a little bit or you know, maybe they've lost motivation. Do they need me to check in or do they, are they okay? Like just having that, that plan in place is really important. Yeah, I think that's, it's always really difficult to strike that balance in terms of that. It's a really good point. Um, because, yeah, just trying to get the right balance in terms of that there. But I think ultimately always having some sort of direction, some sort of goal setting like you've alluded to, whether that is I simply want to maintain my current level of fitness or it's a case of I want to progress is really important because then we have both that accountability and then it's a case of me supporting you in achieving that and it's the exact same in your circumstances as well. Yeah, nice. Um Listen, you're obviously, like I mentioned before, all the content and stuff that you're putting out, you're, you're a real expert in this area in terms of running and the science behind it, running with science, as you mentioned before. Um, I'll put you on the spot now. Have you got, what's your, um, I guess it's, it's tips that you can give to the listeners. Now this, I guess there's so many different avenues you could go down, but I'll let you decide whether it's, uh, you know, just a quick win for someone if they are into their running whether it's breathing, whether it's stride pattern, running technique, um, I don't know, recovery. Have you got any, any kind of good tips that you can give to them? Um, where I think I always draw things back to, because naturally with sports scientists background, where I go things back to is go the Siler's heresy of training, endurance training needs. And that's basically goes, it's a really nice pyramid. And it ultimately, so if we, the listeners watching in or those watching this on YouTube, you can see me making a little pyramid symbol right yeah. now. Um, and you think that classic pyramid you might have seen in school and you think about that base layer is like where the bulk of things should be and where the good evidence is. And the very top is like the icing on the cake, so to speak. And what we know, if we think about three big things is training frequency or volume. And there's no getting a right way around it. Volume is fundamental to endurance training in any sport whether that's swimming cycling triathlon running so having built build an increase in that volume is going to be able to help you increase the next one is hit training so high intensity interval training now i'm not talking about at home workouts i'm talking about actually hit training interval training out on a track or out it could be anywhere really and that's VO2, I would tend to recommend VO2 max intervals there because that allow you to increase that ceiling of your aerobic capacity. 
So in around three minutes, and I tend to recommend time here because I think we fix it. Distance is great, but that's going to be variable on a personal level. It's going to take me different time to run 800 meters as it's going to take you as it's going to take the next person. So I think free time is perfect here. So something like three minutes on, two minutes off for six reps, um, really working in those three minutes and then two minutes just walking. I think that's difficult for us runners because we think we have to just plod and run all the time, but that's actually going to be perfect stimulus. And then the next one is that train intensity distribution. So what we touched upon in terms of a large part of your volume should really actually be easy green zone work. Um, and that's where that 80, 20, we might've heard about. So if we think five sessions next week, four of those sessions should be cruiser cruise. And then one of those should be maybe an interval session. And that's shown to have the biggest improvement. One, it'll have the biggest improvement in that runner and you're going to enjoy it a lot more as well. Cause then you're not just smashing yourself all the time. You're not feeling burnt out and fatigue, fatigue, sorry. Um, you're going to feel a lot fresher as a result. So that'd be the three key areas where I would really concentrate in terms of trying to progress as a runner. Yeah, nice. And I'm just, I'm trying to think of maybe like the uh, dynamics of maybe the people listening to this, like some of the people train with me. And if someone's not, uh, I guess kind of like me, but they're not, um, you know, they're not actively trying to get better at just running, but they're using running as that kind of like general uh, health and fitness practice that they're adding in. What, what kind of structure would that look like? Perhaps if they're doing a couple of strength training sessions a week, maybe they're doing like a yoga session. Are they prioritizing going for like a long run? Are they prioritizing hit training? I know there's so many different avenues to go down on that because it depends on if they're doing two runs, three runs, but have you got like a general rule around that? Um, so I think it's a really good question. How I would tackle it is depends on what those stream sessions are. If they're like hit training session sessions, I'd maybe edge towards cruisy cruise runs for the vast majority. If they're more a nice good blend of strength training where we maybe start with strength work, then we go down towards more endurance work in that session. I would tend to, it's all about timing and structure as to when you do it. So maybe what I would do is for instance, so I'm naturally thinking as how I would prioritize it for a runner, but we can adjust this. Um, let's say if it's a runner and then I, we can adjust it. So, if it's a hit session, what I would do is have the hit session maybe on a Tuesday night. And then the next morning, then they'll have the strength training. So then they can really light up and they're fresh for us, the hit session before. So then having, I would say maybe having a bit of a blend there. So then you've got that, you've got the high intensity work, the day preceding the strength work. And then maybe later in the week, you might have your longer run because we do know that that longer running is actually really good and really important. And that's where the really good benefits come from because that'll build up your aerobic capacity from working in that there easy work. You know, we've got, um, obviously you know this from living in the Middle East as well, but in Dubai, we have a distinct lack of hills. Everything is flat. So whenever I'm <laughs> posting anything on Strava or any posting yeah. any workouts, everyone always knows that it's completely flat and it's kind of yeah. gets discredited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i certainly uh put polar opposite to that here in cornwall now as uh, you would know um it's definitely full of hills and it's a, certainly a shock to the system after spending some time in the middle east um yeah but that to be fair like that's not necessarily a bad thing running on the flat flat all the time um yes it's great to have hills and yes that's a bit tougher 
But then if you're wanting to keep things easy, flat's pretty handy. If you want to run VO2 max intervals, flat's quite handy. Um, hills are great and they keep things interesting, but there's nothing wrong with flat either, in my opinion. Yeah, nice. Gavin, um, that's, that's all the questions I have for you. And I, like I said before, I just wanted to, to get someone like yourself on and you've shared some really, really good tips there. Um, obviously, very, very knowledgeable in what you do. Where can, where can people find you? Um, so on Instagram, we can find me at running underscore smarter. And on there, I'll share quite a lot of tips as to like different exercises, different tips when it comes to running and people can apply those, which are really useful. Um, and meal suggestions as well. I quite like to cook. Um, and then if they are interested in working with me or want to learn more um, or have any questions, a great way to start is getting a free kickstart consultation and they can schedule that at runningsmarter.co.uk. Um, and that's a great way to get to know me, ask me some questions and we can see if we're a good fit. Yeah, perfect. Like I said at the start, uh, putting out really, really good content. So make sure you go and give Gavin a follow. But uh, thanks very much for your time, mate. Cheers. Thank you too.